This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. You need a therapist, and I'm not one. Improve your mental health in the most convenient and affordable way with online therapy at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Life Coaching Comedians. I'm your transformational life coach, Lexis Chardet, and I have a new comedian joining me today. I'm sorry, an anxious comedian. Please give it up for Ava. Hello, Ava. How are you doing today? I'm anxious today. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about that anxiousness you're experiencing. So, tell me, how long have you been struggling with anxiousness or anxiety, I should say? I I think since birth. Like, oh. I, I'm Greek and Brazilian, so I come from a very immigrant, strict family. So, half of my body is made of water, but the other half is just stress, guilt, and anxiety. It makes up most of my... Cortisol is like my life source, it seems. Mm, you must have failed anatomy because everyone's made out of 80% water. So maybe the other 20% is anxiety. Girl, I failed math too. I think I only passed gym class. And oh, like that's good. You're fit. That's very good. That's very good. Was your mother an anxious person? Yes, she still is. She's a drug addict too, but she's like the fun kind. It's not her fault. Interesting. The fun kind. You enable your mother with her drug habits? I mean, if you can't beat them, join them interesting interesting okay okay do you do you do the drugs with your mother as well you know what <laughs> so actually lately yes because oh, okay. my mom um for a very long time she had sciatica and she had a slip disc so she had to have a surgery oh. and basically what happened is back then it was around 2008 2009 and that's when the opioid like before they knew that oxycodone was that bad but my mom got mm -hmm. super hooked so for the past couple of years, she's been an addict from prescriptions and whatnot. But recently, mm -hmm. she ended up getting so sick that she went to a new doctor. And the doctor was like, I don't know how you're even alive. Like, there's no way you should be able to be taking this many pills and, and be alive. So he took her off everything. And now she's prescribed medical marijuana for the pain mm -hmm. in like, her bones and her joints and stuff. But... She doesn't really know how to take the oil, so she'll take like full bottles and just chug it down. So at Thanksgiving last week, she was high as a fucking kite. <laughs> like, oh, sounds like a fun <laughs> And I, when I was growing up, I'd get into like I've gotten kicked out of the house for smoking weed, and now I, like I call my mom and I'm like, "Hey, mom, what are you doing?" She's like, "Well, I didn't know how strong that oil was, but I can't." Who? What'd you say? Like she's just. She's a fun high now. So now, yeah, mm -hmm. we, we take edibles together sometimes. And okay. She's much, more, she's much more fun, that's for sure. Okay. Well, I wouldn't really consider uh, marijuana or Mary Jane, as I like to call it, a drug. That is, um, some call it the devil's lettuce. Um, I call it God's flower. <laughs> We're going to get along. Yeah. Um, so besides the, besides the weed... Uh, is your has your mother gotten off the prescription 
drugs and narcotics. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Now she's just full edibles, oils, whatever she can get her like little hands on. The other day, she actually looked at me and asked me if I had something on me, and it was a very uncomfortable moment. Cause I'm still her kid, so I'm like, is this a trick? Like, mm -hmm. I'm 28 years old. I'm not afraid. Actually, mm -hmm. I'm terrified. Like, my mom will still hit me, basically. Oh, okay. Okay. So you were abused as a child. Interesting. No, just European. It was normalized with us. No, yeah. Well, just because it's normalized doesn't mean that it's not abused, you know? And, and then, you know, I, it took me a long time to accept that, you know, um, you know, I was spanked as a child, uh, you know, a black family, you know, they, you know, they beat you. So you're so scared that you follow the rules and, and, you know, that's very militant. I mean, that's kind of what Hitler was doing, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my mom, my mom, my mom could probably take Hitler. I, I remember, well, I remember it was, I, like I said, like it was normal in our families to get like whacked across the head or whatever. But I went to this like very, very white school growing It was literally called Christmas Park. And mm. we were in like a circle of girls and we were all talking about like what happens when we get punished. And like these white girls, they were just like, oh, I just had to say sorry. Like I had to go sit in my room with my laptop and all of my games and toys and like, it was my turn and they asked me what happened to me. I was like, I just get to choose my weapon. Like I I can get the spoon, the belt, the salt and pepper in the mouth. That was my mom's favorite. The salt um, and pepper in the mouth? Yeah, just if I swore. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, I feel like I would kind of like that. I do like salt and pepper. <laughs> it was uh, tasty. It, it was soap for me. Did you ever have to go outside and pick a switch? No. Yeah. What's yeah. that? You go outside and you pick any branch that you can find off of a tree. And um, if you don't get a good one, <laughs> dad will find one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I mean, think about it. You know, I come from a, you know, many generations of a black family and, you know, are in the, in the black race of America has gone through slavery. And so the abuse becomes the abuser, you know, and it's a problem in the black community. It is. Um, but it seems like more millennials, uh, you know, are starting to understand um, proper communication with their children. Um, how's your communication with your uh, family now besides um, high conversations with your mother? Do you guys have a good relationship? Oh, much better now. Definitely mm -hmm. much better now. But I think that um, it was not good before. I mean, it. I was in a family of like seven people. So everyone's just screaming for attention, oh, trying wow. to get like heard. And you grow up in a certain culture where it's like, you have to respect your elders no matter what. They're older, so they know better. There's a lot of like, don't eat your family. Don't go off on your own. Like I ran away to the jungle for two years just to figure out who I was apart from Jimmy's daughter or my mom's daughter or Dana's sister or this person's aunt. And mm -hmm. I, I moved away for, well, I quit comedy for two years and I was like, oh, okay. What Dave Chappelle on him, huh? Moved to the jungle. 
Did Dave invite you there? No, I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't part of the flock. Oh, I hear. I hear there's a secret compound. If you're holding out on me, you can tell me later offline. Okay. Yes. All right. So, um, I was looking over your intake form, Ava, and um, you said that you were dealing with um, producers' guilt, um, imposter syndrome, and um, comedy post post comedy extreme weight loss did i write that down wrong yeah well i mean just the the identity crisis that you go through as like a person so i had bariatric sleeve surgery two years ago i was a very i was like 300 pounds and so when i started comedy i was that weight and a lot of my jokes and who i was was based off of that person mm -hmm. the experiences of that girl um I didn't really give myself any leeway to explore any other topics because already it was like a shield of my weight. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to talk about being fat and uh, sucking dick and I'm so good at it and I'm so fat this and I'm so like, I didn't even give myself a chance to explore topics that weren't self-deprecating, mm -hmm. but who I was and it was working at the time. But, you know, with my mom being sick and my family situation, I had gotten to a point in my personal life where I was like, if I don't figure out who I am away from my family, like I, I'm, I don't see any future for me because I'll just I'll live for my family. I'm gonna and I love my family very much, but we were so close and in Greek cultures, you're so so very close that you end up not even taking the time to develop as your own person. So you're kind of held back and immature and naive, you know, to the world. So mix all of that in with. I got the surgery while I was living in the Dominican. So now I, COVID happens, I'm back to Canada in a brand new body, in a brand new identity, having a completely different experience as someone who's quote unquote skinny in the world. And you see a very big contrast of how people treat you, um, certain stories you, you try to tell. You know, when I got back on stage, I was trying to tell some of the same old stories I told when I was big. and it just didn't hit the same because some stories were funnier because I was fat mm -hmm. and I tried to tell the same stories and some people just wouldn't believe that I was ever that big. And it's like, who am I? Like, who, what, what can I talk about? You know, where do I go with this? So it's, it's been a beautiful time of just kind of like re getting to know who I am and it, like giving myself a leeway to explore other topics of who I was, not just focusing on my size and my weight, but now I talk about, you know, growing up Greek and Brazilian in a very Greek culture and not feeling Greek and then talking about my mom's addiction and finding that funny and just giving myself a chance. But it's been a it's been a ride. I had a really difficult time handling the new attention from men. That was like <clears throat> freaky. You have all these things just being hit at you and you lose that amount of weight so quickly that mm -hmm. you're just, like, your brain doesn't have time to catch up with your body. So you're still dealing with all these very different things. You're very naive. You're very vulnerable and innocent to the world. And, you know, when you're big, it's very easy for people to like you. You're, I was like the fat, jolly, funny girl. So it's very hard to not like the fat. Like, if I was going to be fat, I was going to be nice. I wasn't going to be mean, you know? And I was oh, always darling, you're still jolly and you're still <laughs> fat. I mean, funny. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I, and then I, you know, I lost all the weight and all of a sudden there's, there's certain new types of people talking to me, different types of attention. And it was very 
overwhelming for a while. So in comedy, it was it was great. I'm so happy that I'm very healthy now. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a very cool journey to see myself explore other topics I was too afraid to derive from before because of my weight. So. Well, that um, is fabulous. It seems like you've got it all figured out, Ava. What do you need me for? Well, so much more. <laughs> well, what is it that you want to talk about today? Is there anything in particular that's bothering you? I I think that, um, so for one, I, have, I definitely have producer's guilt because when I left comedy um, from Montreal and went off, I felt like I'd gotten to like a certain point. But I had people who I considered my elders, my veterans, who were better than me in my eyes and that I looked up to a lot when I started comedy. And and even to some respect might have like put me down or called me a bringer. Or I say I used to get on shows because I would be able to bring a lot of people and kind of it would fuck with me a little bit. Fast forward two years and now I'm producing this huge comedy show in Montreal where I aim at paying comics what they're worth. We've generated this really great community of people who want to come out for comedy and I've built it. And then what's kind of ended up happening is that I get messages from people who know me from before and feel like they're entitled to be on my show. Mm. And I to stay as like neutral as possible and as diplomatic as possible and as kind because that's just, I really just want to be someone who goes in, does my job, is nice to people and gets out and contributes to my community. But, you know, you put yourself also as a producer in a position where now people will know who you find funny and who you don't find funny. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's not always the case. Like I have a lot of comics that I think are wonderful, but I'm also a businesswoman, and my crowd might not react well to that certain type of comedy. Mm-hmm. But it puts me in a horrible position. So it's like, well, are you only booking people like this? Are you only booking people like that? Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. Like, if I could, I, I would produce shows for every type of comedy genre. But I attract college kids. That's my okay. demographic. Okay, so you're and building so a show for college students right now. Yeah, well, it's it's just for young adults from, okay. I would say, probably like 18 to, 18 to 40 is really like the crowd that comes out because we buy everybody's shots. It's a lot. It's a big party vibe. It's very wild and warm. And I just wanted to create a stage where one comics felt proud to be on that show. They were compensated fairly and I was contributing to the Montreal comedy scene because the English side is not that um, big. We're a very small group. We're in a French province. So the thing is everyone thinks Montreal, they think, just for laughs or are super intimidated to come down to Montreal. And that's not the case. The French side is huge and very saturated and very well-funded and they have all the TV shows, but the English side, we're just a tiny little pool of fish made of independent producers because we don't get funded like the French side of the province. So there's that, that people don't really know about. Mm -hmm. So if there weren't all these English like comedians in Montreal producing their own shows, there would be no scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I got home, I wanted to do something beyond just being funny because my background is in marketing. That I was working at a hotel for two years. They had entertainment. They had all these things. And I had met my boyfriend and he said, you know, I'm a DJ. You're a comedian. Let's throw a show together. And at first, I was like, oh, Ooh, power couple. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's great. He's, he's definitely, you know, helped me a lot. I mean, he was a trooper today because I was a fucking mess. But, um, you know. 
you you build this baby of yours and then all of a sudden all these people coming at you and you want to distribute fairly but now you kind of have to set these boundaries and then you feel bad because you want to give everyone a chance but you know this is your baby and this is your business so i struggle you can a lot. still give everyone a chance ava i got some ideas for you are you interested yes okay um i'm very familiar with this problem uh my comedy husband has uh you know he's probably one of the hottest bookers in phoenix right now he really is and you know he he came up with a solution for this exact problem because he holds his show to a very high standard which it sounds like you do as well and you have a niche sort of audience or a particular audience right so as of right now um on your show how how many comedians do you book per show including the headliner uh i book five including the headliner okay and they're all doing how many how many minutes they do 10 minutes each okay 10 minutes each including the headliner uh yeah it's okay. more of a showcase because Gen Z has the attention span of squirrels. So Okay. And are you on a time limit at this venue? Uh, we're not on a time limit, but I like to try to keep the show itself to 90 minutes. And then afterwards, we have a big after party where my boyfriend DJs and we all stay and dance and buy drinks from the bar. So it's kind of okay. like a Is there a stage breakdown that happens in between the closing of the show and the, the DJ starting up? Uh, no, well, my, my boyfriend sets up the DJ booth on stage mm-hmm. and then afterwards, everything's already set up. So it's kind of like a theater venue. Okay. Okay. Great. Alrighty. So a couple different ideas. Um, one, you can open up the mic for an open mic at the end of the show and give, um, you know, maybe three spots and or five how many you want to do i would say three to five and have them do three to five minutes and that will be a chance to bring on new talent you can even say hey you know i want to make sure everyone in montreal has the opportunity to perform at this show but we want to make sure the audience likes them so we're opening up the mic you can you can announce at the beginning of the show we have three five spots if you want to sign up sign up right um, you can and make sure people sign up the day of the event not in advance so they're showing up supporting your show signing up and then they have an opportunity to perform in front of that audience and you can do like all right you guys want to see this person back next time right almost make it a little competitive and you're giving everyone a chance to get up on their stage with boundaries and rules in place that's one idea. Another idea is if you have a a friend or know someone that runs a show similar to yours that you trust or a show that you're able to check out is you can scout talent from there. And if anyone reaches out to you and says, hey, they're interested in booking your show, say, hey, go see so-and-so over at this show. Um, You know, I had, for example, there was a a competitive show that we had. Um, here in Phoenix, and we, uh, my comedy husby, hu- hubby used to send people to that show because um, it's you get voted by the audience if you go to the next round or not, right? So if they didn't pass on that show, then they weren't going to get booked on his show. So you can probably do like a pre-screening kind of a deal, see how they do at another mm-hmm. show and get a report back to see if it's what you're looking for. Um, so there's a couple ideas for you. Um, are you having people send in... Uh, recent film or video before booking? 
Not yet. I mean, if they always want to, or if I really have never heard of them or they don't have any vouches and they reach out to me, then yeah, like I'll, I'll ask for a video, but you know, the, the Canadian comedy community is so small that it's really a lot of word of mouth. So mm-hmm, usually mm-hmm. someone messages me and they're from Toronto or from Ottawa and they have a voucher. I have a friend who's done their show and we all talk and it's kind of like, it's starting to build now, but you know, my heart, my heart's in the place of I just want to grow my community and mm-hmm. I want to contribute to it and I want to build standards so that people don't feel like they have to leave and go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That well, I think it's pretty... Asking to put on myself, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty common nowadays to ask for video to be booked somewhere. And even if it's someone that you know, um, you know, maybe... You know, maybe be a little elusive of what you say. Maybe it's not just your show. Maybe there's other people that have to approve the performers. So you can even, you know, you can play with that a little bit um, to make you feel better. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if we're going to be supportive of one another, it's okay to be honest. And it's not your fault how that person decides to take it. So I don't think you should feel guilty. So if you have someone reaching out from your past, it's like, hey, Ava, remember that one time we did all that fireball and I kept your hair out of your face so you didn't throw up in it? Yeah, be Book me for your show. They're not entitled to shit. Say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate it when you did that for me. <sighs> Could you send in some recent uh, either video or audio that I that me and my team can listen to as we're deciding who we're going to book for the next few shows? And then I'll get back to you. And if it's not great, you can just say, hey, I really appreciate you sending this in. Could you maybe send in something new in a month or two? Just not quite what we're looking for right now, but would love to work with you in the future, right? Yeah. Say something like that. Yeah. Empathy goes a long way, Ava. I know. I just, I have a soft heart. I'm, I'm like, oh, darling, believe me. I understand. Personal boundaries is something that, uh, you know, I've had to work on quite a bit. Believe it or not, I too have a life coach, even though I'm one of the best out there. But, you know, <laughs> life coaches need life coaches. But, um, yeah, just, you know, work on that personal boundary and and uh, clear communication, express empathy. And if you know that you did everything you can to communicate clearly and let that person know that they're still appreciated, even though you may not use them, it's not your fault how they respond or react. So don't worry about that. You're a hot shot now. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm almost shy. I'm like, you, you're so validating. Yeah, I mean, you're a hot shot now, you know, whenever someone becomes a booker of a show that becomes popular, you know, it's say goodbye to your inbox because people are going to be flooded in there. By the way, I'm going to be in Montreal in a couple weeks. You want to go ahead and give me a spot on your show? Are you going to be in Montreal? I'm just kidding. I was, that was your opportunity to practice. Everywhere. You failed the assignment. That was your opportunity to practice. Well, I don't have to go in a couple weeks, but I just wanted to see you if you were here. Well, you know, I hug everyone. I'll probably be up that way. I'll probably be up that way soon. I probably will. But um, but I mean, so how does that sound? Those good ideas? Is those are those things that are worth considering? You know, it it definitely is because I like I said, I tend to put a lot of things unnecessary pressure on myself and Mm -hmm. on my shoulders to the Mm -hmm. point where like sometimes I won't. I won't include my partner when I very well can because I'm like, oh, I don't want to stress him with it. But 
Mm-hmm. You know, he said himself in certain cases, like, you know, I produced this show with you. You could very easily just say that you're not the only one who is booking the show. Like, I do have a say, you know, who's on the lineup, even if I'm not a comedian. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you're kind of also bringing that up, it makes me be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What uh, What kind of venue is it that you host the show at? It's like, it's really cool. It's on top of a bar. It's like, it's like a little mini theater, but it's not stacked or anything. It's on one level and there's a bar in the back and then a stage, but it's a private venue. And it's with these three guys, Austin's from the Diving Bell uh, Social Club. And they're just like the easiest people to work with. They're so friendly. We buy the entire crowd a shot before the show because, you know, we're trying to build this community. So whenever you come to the kickback, which is the name of our show, um, we have free shots from like doors open to 9 p.m. And then we have people giving out those shots from our sponsor. And then before the show, we have this tradition where my Micah and I, we buy everybody a shot in the crowd. And to kick off the show, we all take the shot together. And that's how the show begins. So it kind of creates this, you know, this warmth and this invitingness that gives the comics a lot of confidence as well, because they know they're coming out to a crowd that wants them. And inherently the crowd is a little now warmed up and and ready to get a little goofy to to respectful levels so yeah absolutely it sounds like a great thing that you have going on ava and mm-hmm. you know i think uh, one thing that would be really good for you to work on if you haven't done so already is just affirmations and gratitude um, you know, because when, and, and hearing your backstory on, you know, your physical body, I wanted to bring this up earlier. Are you familiar with, um, vibrations and the different vibration, vibration dimensions that we vibrate in? Are you that, do you get into that kind of level of spirituality? No. Okay, I'm just going to give you a little background lesson really quick. Okay, so uh, we currently vibrate, they would say, uh, at a 4D level. So we have up and down, left and right, all around, and then time is the fourth dimension. And then there's in and out, which would make us a fifth dimension. So in and out of body experiences, which we do experience when we sleep, most of us. Um, so that would make us vibrating at a 5D um, and a 5D, okay? So when we're speaking about the body, that is a 3D experience. Have you ever watched The Matrix? Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, referring to the matrix, you know, when they're in the simulation, their bodies are not real. They're part of the computer program, right? That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. If I'm losing you, it's okay. It's yeah, okay. Like, numbers. I told you I failed math. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. So... I think, Ava, you may not even know this, but it sounds like you're very empathetic. You feel things. You're going through this healing naturally. You're probably on a deeper spiritual journey than you even realize. But you have people all around you that are vibrating in the 3D. So they're paying attention 
to your body. You're getting attention from these men, right? You feel like you can't identify with your old fat self. So by identifying in the physical, you're limiting yourself to go beyond that and be able to grow and learn and see and hear and feel in the fifth dimension. So the less you try to identify and just be, the happier you will be. Right now you're trying to identify with being a producer and what that means and also shed off your past self of just being a little, you know, a comic. Not to, uh, you know, belittle just a regular comic, but, you know, you're just, instead of being just a little comic, now you're a big shot booker and everybody (laughs) wants your attention, right? So it's really just this illusion, you know, titles are just an illusion in the, in the, in the third dimension. And it has nothing to do with uh, really who you are as a person. So if that makes sense, you know, try not to think about the title so much and just keep being you and exercising your boundaries because you're just you. Of course, you're not who you were yesterday. That was yesterday. Doesn't mean that you can't talk about it on stage. Doesn't mean you can compare your fat life to your skinny life, you know. Um, But I do applaud you for, you know, finding that new material and who you are now. And who you are now is going to be different than who you are tomorrow. So just embrace it, darling. Be in the present. And don't anticipate so much. You're worrying. That's where you get all that anxiety from, worrying about the future. I I live in 2056. I'm like, what if the tree burns down? And my boyfriend's like, you need to calm the fuck down. And I'm like, we don't know what's going to happen in five years. If you're living in 2056, tell me where the value of Bitcoin and Dogecoin are right now. (laughs) They crashed. They crashed. It was all All right. I'm cashing out. I'm cashing out then. But I think you're just fine. And you know what? You probably don't even need life coaching. But even if you don't really need it, it's always good to talk to someone who's unattached and has an unbiased opinion. Uh, I am unattached. Sometimes I can't be biased, but I'll always give you different perspectives to look at, darling. So uh, I hope you'll come back and we can talk some well, more. I really appreciate you. This was this was a perfect way. It's like 11 p.m. out here in Montreal, so this was a, a really nice way to to end my evening. And honestly, everything you told me was extremely helpful. Well, I am so (laughs) glad, darling. Um, And I'm so glad for everyone just tuning in, whether you're listening or watching. If you're in Montreal, going to Montreal soon, make sure to check out Ava on IG at Ava Alexo Comedy and hit her up about the kickback show. Get yourself a free shot. And uh, you can join us every Sunday. Subscribe and hit the bell to be enlightened. And I'll be dropping some wonderful gangsta spiritual knowledge every Sunday. And uh, thanks again, Ava, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm going to go Google all of those vibrations now and figure yeah, out Yeah, do a little research. Uh, you can do research on... Uh, I prefer using DuckDuckGo because you know, Google censors things. Oh, really? Um, but There's yeah. DuckDuckGo? DuckDuckGo is a, is a good server to search for anything spirituality or conspiracy theorist related. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but look up the Hawkins vibrational scale. That's going to talk about 
vibrational scale in the sense of emotions from love to all the way down to hate, fear. Um, and then you can also research the different dimensions we experience on the planet. And that might open up a whole gate of information, uh, you know, when you, you know, don't don't go down the rabbit hole. Take it easy. Oh, I can't promise that. <laughs> I told you I'm anxious. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, maybe 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 you and your mom can have you know can go through that with your next pastime together with yeah. a cookie or an edible. Um, but stop enabling Ayahuasca. your mother. Stop enabling your mother. <laughs> no. She started. <laughs> You can't blame your mother now, Ava. You can't blame your Not mother anymore. now. Not anymore. Not anymore. I've already realized that a lot of the things my mother told me growing up, like one day you'll see and just watch, was like not a threat, but more of a warning from the future. <laughs> she was like, don't marry a man. <laughs> just be gay. And I just did not listen at all. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't listen because, uh, and we can talk more about this next time if you decide to come back, but self-limiting beliefs um inflicted on us from others is, is a I big know. one too so it sounds like you got it it sounds like you got it going on in here i think oh. you're you're a smart cookie um but thank you again for coming in and uh we'll see y'all next time namaste little mama messed me up she really did. I wasn't expecting to get the validation I got, but I took notes. She gave me great ideas, and I can't thank you enough, Miss Laugh Coach. I'm going to sleep good. I'm going to probably take an edible with my mom or something, but you guys better check this lady out because she's funny, but she ain't no joke. Wow, Ava is, um, she's a real special, smart lady. And I tell you, these Canadians, they're just, they just got it all figured out. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna expand my clientele, my Google advertising, all my target marketing through Instagram and Facebook to Montreal because, um, you know, these, these Canadians, they just, they just know they take responsibility. They show up on time. They just have a whole different vibe. Uh, you know, the American, the American co com comedian ego, it's, it's a tough one to break. And I honestly, I'm getting a little tired of it. I am. I am getting a little tired of it. <laughs>